Okay. Should we just should we just do it? Oh man, I feel like I haven't spoken for so long. Let's just go. Shit, it's Monday, it's 10.30 a.m., it's August 31st, one last day of summer. Uh, We're back in the saddle again. This is Underdogs. My name is Jacob Eamon. Here with me is David Patrick Fleming. What's going on today, David? Jacob, it's also trade deadline day. Oh, my God, there's a lot lot going on today. We got a game at 2. Hugwatch yeah. is going to be on. I was on. just going to say, Hugwatch is on. I doubt, I doubt we'll see any uh, Jays leave the field uh, via the hug, but maybe, maybe, maybe the Orioles. You never know. Oh, yeah. Orioles. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some Jays headed out. Maybe, maybe pulling them right out of the field. Do you think there's ever been a Hugwatch for a pitcher who was on the mound? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't imagine the pitcher would ever start if they were up for uh, some trades, but I think that would be really funny if the pitcher was kind of in the middle of facing a batter. The manager just came out, hugged him, <laughs> and then he left. <laughs> Give me that ball, take off the jersey, and get the fuck out of here. All right, so we did not record on Thursday and Friday. Um, you know, after the Blue Jays game Wednesday night, um, I was watching a lot of uh, Sports Center, all of the things going on with. With the teams in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks starting it, deciding not to play. Um, the rest of the NBA following suit. A couple of teams in the MLB joining in. MLS athletes across the world um, were boycotting, were striking, not playing games on Thursday and Friday. And so we wanted to stand with them. And it didn't feel right for us, I think, to kind of just... Do you know, like I, I couldn't imagine doing a game diary ripping on the Orioles or the Red Sox or whatever I had planned from from Wednesday night. But you know, there there are extremely important things happening in the world right now. Um, people fighting for social justice, protesting against racial inequality, systemic racism, um, police brutality. Um, so I hope that in the midst of the time that you were, going to be listening to underdogs with us that you know you had a chance to do some reading have a conversation kind of take that time to spend it on something that's more important because the the issues of social justice that are happening in the world right now are obviously a lot more important than sports yeah it was a difficult thing to know how to to go about recording our our show and because we do like to just have fun, sort of mess around, rip on people. And it is mostly just in good fun. But it, it, to do that sort of thing, you have to be in a headspace where you want to do that sort of thing. And so when everything started happening with the NBA, just not feeling like that was something that anybody would want to listen to or that we would want to do. And I think that one of the the really great things that happens in these protests is all sports talk shows and radio, TV uh, become about the protests and become about spreading that message. And people say, oh, what do you, you know, you just stop playing one game and big change is going to happen? Well, piece by piece. And I think, 
you know, if, if you were ever listening to whatever you listen to, to get your sports, they were probably interviewing somebody or talking to somebody and spreading a message that is really important for people to get right now. And, uh, I mean, that's what I was doing and, you know, still not really certain about, uh, what to say or how to go about this, but just trying to, to support and, and move forward and acknowledge that we also just love doing this podcast and we love talking about the blue Jays and we do still want to have fun. Yep. And you know, it, it, it may not happen overnight, but actionable change is happening. Um, steps have been taken, you know, even just seeing that the NBA um, is opening up all of their arenas across across the country and the United States as polling vo- voting stations to to get mass amounts of people out there safely in a huge place where they can where they can social distance and I I I hope that 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 there is a positive change happening and that, that the athletes do feel empowered and uh, because yeah like we said it. it, it what's happening is is bigger than sports right now. It's an interesting time for these athletes, I'm sure, to become these social activists. It's, you know, it's not part of their job description, but because they have these platforms, because they believe strongly in what's going on, they're being thrust into this position. And that's even in itself, just when you watch sports, you're not used to talking about social issues. You're not used to being reminded to vote. And those things are massive to, to, to be able to convey that message to the millions of people who watch sports just to simply vote, even if it's just to simply vote, that's a major, major uh, positive change. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel, especially for the NBA guys who are, you know, how trapped, how helpless they feel inside that bubble. They can't be with their families. Um, They can't go out there and join in a protest all they can do is try and get in in their media calls and try and talk to the owners try and try and create change from within this bubble where they where they are trapped inside of yeah and you know thinking about should we leave should we be here at all the raptors talking about coming back to to canada um ultimately i think they decided that you know they can they can do more good from inside the bubble i know that lebron got got to he talked to Barack Obama and Barack says, you know, you got to stay. So even the conversations that the NBA players are having with the owners. And I know that uh, LeBron James was quite direct with a lot of the ownerships about they need to be a part of the solution. That That is major. I'm not sure that uh, MLB players are having those conversations with the ownerships. I don't think it's gotten to that place in the other leagues. But that to me could do a whole lot of something yeah absolutely um okay well what what was your weekend like david and you were you were like out of commission basically this whole weekend your fantasy team got destroyed and there was nothing you could really do about it um you lost to the favorites which you know has to be expected when you are playing a team that is called the favorites i guess the idaho anti-vaxxers just came up against a virus and it just uh you know they they really needed they really needed an antidote and there was nothing that could save them yeah it uh, was a really unfortunate weekend in terms of fantasy because you and i were head to head for most of the week and i I think i even texted you this is going to be an epic battle down to the finish and you agreed and then saturday happened 
Yeah. Uh, I was away at a cottage where I had no cell phone service. Uh, and on the drive to this cottage, uh, <laughs> I pulled over at one point and I checked my fantasy and I thought, oh, I've lost a bunch of points. I don't know what's happened. Let me just scroll down. Minus 17 from Randy Dobnak. Minus yeah. 17. That is 31 points off of his average. And I'm not even expecting guys to get their average every time they go out, but 31 points below their average. I had two starts from Trevor Bauer that I think netted me 11 points, and his average was 28 a game before that. I got Walker Bueller on the IL. Look, yikes! there's part of this that come across like excuses. I don't want to make excuses. I'm going to wear that loss. You won, deservedly so. You beat me by 51 points, I think. So dominated me i don't think there's only one other team that wouldn't have beat me in our entire league last week is what it is we move forward we're gonna we're gonna learn from what happened last week and uh i'm gonna start to really be harder on my starting pitching that isn't uh, <laughs> that isn't coming out luis castillo i'm talking to you you're probably gone Dopnak, you ever do anything like that again you're out yeah i'd also just like to point out in case uh, the, the the listeners at home missed it, but um, going into this week, I tried to s- pull off a huge blockbuster trade. I managed to swing for the fences. I saw that Aaron Judge was coming back from the IL. I put together a package, uh, a pretty nice package that you know even people had some some maybe doubts about whether whether it was a fair package. I I put together Donovan Solano, Austin Meadows, and Tanaka, Masahiro Tanaka. Um, and I got Aaron Judge, who I will say I got three at-bats out of, zero points. And he went straight back to the IL. This time they said he needs double the amount of time that he had the first time. Uh, he's basically not coming back. And so I lost out on Meadows, Tanaka, I think, even in the first day between Meadows and Tanaka and, and Solano. Um the King West got like 25 points on, on a single day where I got zero from the judge, and, and now he, he's on the aisle. And so that's that's what I went into the week, losing those guys, getting nothing back, and still managed to beat you. So the favorites stay favorites. We move on. Um, I don't want to rub it in too much, but I'm I just have to do this. it a little I'm bit. I'm fine with this. I'm allowing you to have your your time. Is this, is this it? I'll, I'll wait all day. If you want to keep going... <laughs> And talk about your trades if you want to talk about the buttons that you pushed on your app compared to the buttons that I pushed on my app uh, we can keep this going it, listen we all had a tough week yours was yours was tough for sure but look you know who didn't have a tough week who who, who hasn't been facing tough times since the last time we recorded the Toronto Blue Jays our boys <laughs> Uh, looking pretty good, David. And I know that you uh, you weren't able to watch all of the games in their entirety over the weekend. You were, what were you doing? You were turning a cat, returning the cat that to your sister. That's what that's what was happening. I just it was in part. I was going out to her cottage, and I had to bring the cat back. And just based on where this cottage is, there's it's completely off the grid in terms of Wi-Fi, data, anything. I can't get a phone call. So I can't, there's no way I can't listen on the radio to the game. There was nothing I could do. Yikes. No radio even. No radio. Jeez, that's too bad. Well, 
we'll talk a we'll talk more in depth about what the what the past couple of games are. But since you were only dis- able to see the Blue Jays in thirty, I thought I should give you uh, a, a little bit more in depth, a little bit more into what how I experienced the Blue Jays game last night slash this morning um, <clears throat> in our fan favorite segment. The Game Diary. Are you ready, David? Yes. All right, here we go. It's almost 10 p.m., and I'm turning into this afternoon's game exhausted from four hours of driving, but I need to watch the boys. We have won all five games against the Orioles this season, and it's time to go get a sixth. I'm looking for cruise control from Roark here. I want pitching to contact, ground ball outs, very few pitches, very quick game. The top of the first inning flies by mostly due to the fact that I am deep in a Google hole looking at photos of Tanner Roark's wife. Ryan Mountcastle, some Orioles rookie, hits his first big league ding-dong off Roark in the top of the second. He got all of it, too. Hit it over the net and onto the street. Orioles up one zip. Roark really gives off a vibe that he loves to tickle people, doesn't he? It's not a bad thing, but you know. Some Orioles starting pitcher you've never seen before only needs five pitches to get through the middle of the Jays' order. Is it going to be one of these days? I thought we were done with these. It's not until the fourth the Blue Jays get a hit when Randall Gritchick pulls a ball hard down the left field foul line for a double. Vlad ties it up with a bouncer that finds a hole up the middle. 1-1. It's 11-15 and I'm struggling to stay awake even with the Blue Jays taking the lead. Cabin finds a hole and drives in a run in the bottom of the fifth. Randall socks a sack fly and brings in another 3-1 for the good guys. I'm praying to God that Brittany will go to sleep in the next few minutes because I want to eat chips so bad, but she's already alluded to what a poor diet I've had this weekend earlier today. She's hanging around though, so fine. I'll eat some goddamn vegetables for a healthy snack. I'm keeping myself awake with the unbelievably loud crunch of President's Choice jalapeno veggie straws, and there is nothing she can say to that. The Orioles put up a run after this, but it doesn't matter how or who or why. It's 3-2 Jays. Jesus, right after that, that Mountcastle kid hits another bomb. Like, he launched this thing hard, and this game is a lot right now. That was a missile, man. Charlie saw enough from Roark, and the tickler is out of the game. 4-3 Orange Birds now. Friend of the pod, Sean Reed Foley, is back with the team now, and he looks like he's based his look off the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. He strikes out some Oriole, and now he's he's in his face screaming, You're going to swing at that, you little piece of trash. Get me an ice cream, because I'm, I'm going to sit on the can and enjoy this. Sean then starts doing this, like, Teletubby dance routine right in front of some Oriole's face. Wait. What? Where am I? Is this the upside down? What's that crunching sound? Suddenly I open my eyes and my dog Bruce is right on top of me eating one of my veggie straws. Next I wake up in my bed at 5.30am and I just had to see if we got Clevenger in the night. No action. Okay, it's 8.30am. Time for a coffee and Twitter and back to Blue Jays baseball. Reed Foley cruises through another half inning and the Jays are up. Bottom of the eighth, down 4-3. Teoscar singles. Vlad takes a tough walk and big boy Rowdy is up and he rips a single to right field, cashes in Teoscar, and the game is tied 4-4. Jays never die. Jays never die. 
we are never going to lose again until we play the healthy Yankees. Charlie has a lot of confidence in the lineup and puts Bass out there in the top of the ninth with a tie score. These boys are going to walk off the field. Bass gets touched for a weak chopper, though, that is too slow to get to the runner at first, and Orange Birds take the lead back 5-4. Panic walks, and McGuire gets to go up and sack Buntum over to second. Biggio pops it up, two outs. Walk-off hero from earlier in the week, Grichik, is up now. He walks to first, though, this time. Shaw's up, and, I, and, and if I see him batting third again, I'm going to lose my mind. He needs to bat eighth when Bichette is back. Shaw walks two, though, and it should have been game over. Strikeout looking, but regardless, now the bases are juiced. Two outs. Newly formed superstar Teoscar Hernandez is ready to remind you what he has become. He gets a high fastball, smacks it, finds a hole. One run scores. Now Gritchick is rounding third. Play at the plate, and he's safe. Teoscar walks it off. Blue Jays win 6-5. Another comeback. Four in a row. Four games over 500. Winning 11 of 14. The boys of summer are ready to take October. Yes. Have you ever seen that many close games? My God. Oh, it, it, it's crazy how, how good the Blue Jays are suddenly, David. Well, I will say, and I, I do agree with you, but let's also just keep in mind how bad that Orioles team actually is. But yes. Okay. Okay. All of that is true, but we are second in home runs in the league, second in OPS, first in slugging, first in triples. What? <laughs> the Blue Jays are first in triples. The offense is awesome right now without Bo Bichette, I might add. We've got regular uh, plate appearances from guys like Joe Panic and Brandon Drury. The starters have been injured, but they're still middle of the pack in ERA. Uh, is, is, here's a question for you. Is this a top 10 team in the league with everyone healthy right now? You mean, so with Bo Bichette. With Bo Bichette, with, with Ken Giles back. And let's just say, uh, Nate Pearson is healthy. And he's not amazing, but he's not losing us games. Well, that's... Uh, I think I have to remove the Nate Pearson thing because we just don't know. We can't just assume that that's what he is. And if we made you know assumptions on a lot of players, then we could put ourselves fairly high in the league. But with Bo Bichette being healthy, is this a top 10 team? Wow. Yeah. And Ken Joss. And Ken Joss. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if we can say that either. But uh, I would I would put my money on that. I would put my money on healthy Bo Bichette, top 10 team in the league. Yes. Okay. Okay. Man, I was thinking about because, I, you know, you wake up today and there's this crispness in the air. It's a little bit cooler. Um, I'm wearing a sweater right now. Has that fall baseball feel. I love September. I love uh, postseason baseball. And I, and I just believe and I, I feel very confident in saying the Blue Jays would have to have a fairly significant meltdown not to make the playoffs. I agree. Detroit? Fuck that. Are you kidding me? No way. We've we've seen what the Orioles are against us. They can't beat us. We'll see what we'll see what happens today at two p.m. You know, it might be a bit of a weird day. I can I can give them that. There's a trade deadline going on. People's brains are scattered. Am I going to get traded? Who's going to be coming in? 
you know, so they got a lot of games against the Yankees left to play, and you know the Yankees are hurting right now too. So a healthy Yankees team, they could you know potentially decimate the Blue Jays to a point where they kind of drop out of the playoffs. But I don't see that happening. I don't see the Blue Jays getting manhandled by any team. No, even like the Rays. It's going to be interesting to see what what. Well, we won't play the Rays again until the playoffs. Basically, we're done with the Rays. They're going off on a streak now. They've won like five in a row or something too. But I'm not afraid of them, really. Like based on what what we've seen, how we've seen the Blue Jays play against them, I'm not like like yeah, they'll probably beat us in a in a best of seven series. But you know, a best of five, first to three, you know, or or a, or a wild card kind of game. It won't be the wild card against the Rays, but you know what I mean, right? Like. Especially, like, who knows what kind of additions we got coming in That's today. Probably thing. nothing huge. Well, but I don't know. You never know. You never know. I mean, how many times for trade deadlines as a Blue Jays fan do you get your hopes up for something and you don't really get anything? But I, I don't want to see anybody on the Major League roster leave. You know, I mean, of the players that would be have a significant enough value to get a trade. Um, but I'd be willing to give up some prospects to get a really great pitcher. Yeah. A Mike Clevenger. Clevenger. Not Lance yep. Lynn. I'm not that into the Lance Lynn thing. I know he's having a wicked year. and But also, this isn't probably possible, but Trevor Bowers out there and the Cincinnati Reds are saying that he might be available. I would love Trevor Bauer to come to this team. Yeah, of course. I. It would just be for this year, though, and that's the problem. Yeah, that, that is a problem. I... I I don't know if I want to give up the the price for Bauer now. I would rather give him the money in the offseason and get him here for, I guess it's probably only one year if he stays true to his word and only signs one-year contracts in free agency. But I'd rather pay that money in dollars than, than pay it for uh, pay it for him in prospects. I'd rather give the prospects money uh, to Clevenger, give it to the give it to Cleveland so that we can have Clevenger for a couple of years. We get Clevenger here. He tells his best friend, Trevor Bauer, there's something awesome coming. Come on over to Toronto. We're going to win the World Series. <laughs> you, could, you could just start to see it, you know, the dynasty forming. I know, and we got to give, because uh, we haven't done a podcast since uh, we got Taiwan Walker. So picked up Taiwan Walker. He made his start Saturday. And the crazy thing, I want to give a shout-out to Taiwan Walker he gets traded from Seattle to Toronto. He's yep. uh, a, major, a major focal point of the social activism that's happening in the MLB. His family deals with Hurricane Laura in Louisiana, and apparently they've lost everything. He everything. finds that yep. out before his start on Saturday, and he still goes out Saturday and shoves a dominant six-inning performance against mm-hmm. the Orioles. That kind of mental makeup is what this team needs, and that's... I can't even imagine what his week was like. Yeah. The most remarkable thing, too, watching his start was just how unremarkable and unnoticeable it was. You know, he just kind of cruised through the game. It never felt like there was he was ever really in any trouble. He kept walking dudes, but it didn't, like, the pressure never built up. I feel like even when I watch a Ryu start or something, uh, you know, a shoemaker, it never feels like the game's totally in control, and that that's partially because the Blue Jays went up and were were raking early, um, but it it was nice to have that feeling getting through six innings and just 
that's that's to me like the sign of these really good pitchers. Like when you watch a Trevor Bauer game and he's like, right, I listened to a, a Trevor Bauer game diary. He's doing these amazing um, uh, vlogs, daily vlogs of what it's like to be pitching inside the pandemic. It's super interesting, yeah, it but is. he just talks about like, uh, I didn't have a I didn't have a great performance, and he talks about just going six or seven and giving up a couple of earned runs. That's like not a good performance for him. And these other good pitchers, but we just don't have that this season. And, and it's been a while since we've had pitchers that just get to the seventh. And like that's just sort of how a game goes. And maybe they gave up a couple runs, but they don't take a million pitches to get there. Yeah, I really... that's And that's what's so enticing about a guy like a Clevenger. He really, yeah. he really moves the needle. Um, and, and that's... That's what I want. That, that's because uh, there was a lot of talk about the Blue Jays going out and getting a veteran catcher, and I get that our catching's been pretty, pretty bad this year, and in certainly offensively. And I've heard a lot of things about it uh, in terms of the game calling. Obviously, ex players would understand that more than I would, and I'm not even 100 percent sure who is actually calling the game. But I don't feel that even if you brought in a veteran catcher, that that moves the needle too much. I'm not sure how many wins a veteran catcher is actually going to give you. And I've heard things about, obviously, the Andrelton Simmons coming to the Blue Jays ah. what, for, what, four weeks of this guy who's coming off an injury to take Bo Bichette's position away from him, let Bo Bichette figure out second base at the end of a or season. Or third. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm not that into that. Um, no. I don't want to fuck with Bo at all. I want Bo to be the leader of this team, be at shortstop, and dominate. Yeah. No, absolutely. I I think that that's a mistake to bring in a shortstop that is anything other than a backup. If 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 you can talk to Anderson Simmons and he wants to be your backup shortstop, uh, if you, you know were if he's pick, coming off the bench, if you were going to pick up Andrel, Andrelton Simmons as a backup shortstop, you could not give much for that, and the Angels would no. have to be willing to take not much. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it no, we well, you need someone who's who's more who's got more positional versatility right you need you just need a better version of brandon juries one who can sort of hit right yeah yeah third base is a is a problem for the blue jays right now i believe they have the lowest ops at third base in the league and so i heard something as well saying kyle seager but i don't know Does kyle it, seager's having a great season it's not that great it is five dingers seven something ops that doesn't excite that doesn't get you out of bed all right. Well, I guess I, I'm I'm basing most of what I think about Kyle Seeger off him being on my fantasy team, and <laughs> and uh, according, let me just take a look, very quick look here. According to my ESPN metrics, he's the he's the third ranked third baseman in the league. Um, so you know he's hitting two seventy two, uh, five dingers, twenty six RBIs, he's stolen four bases. Look. Anyone other than Travis Shaw. Get Vladdy back out there. I don't like, what know do you, if you want to fuck with Vladdy right now either, man. He's looking so I good. Know. He's his at the plate he's looking good and he you know damn well he's looking a little more fit. He's running oh. the bases well. I don't fuck with him. You fucked with him enough. Just leave him, let him stay put. And if you can get a third baseman, sure, but don't don't all of a sudden. Because all it takes is a couple sharp ground balls to third that he eats. And then he has a bad week at the plate or something like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I was just kind of imagining 
you know, because let, let's let's talk a little bit about Vlad, and you can, I could just imagine him being like, I know I came in bad, I looked horrible, I was huge, I've lost the weight, you had to move me to first. Travis Shaw sucks. I can I can play I, I can play defense just as poorly as him. I like to think Travis Shaw is sitting right there while he's saying this. <laughs> Travis sucks. I mean, look at him. Travis like just I, I do. Him. I suck. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get back out there. I promise I can do just as bad of a job as, as Shaw's doing over there, but I can hit and we can we can get rowdy and we can get massive Daniel Vogel back at bats DH. I'm not no, sure that I he agree. wants to play third base. I mean, it's just well, a guess. It's know. just a guess. Absolutely. We don't know. But I, I can't imagine that he wants to go back to third base at this point in the season. Maybe 2021, you know, he comes in. He looks like a new guy. Maybe. But he was a bad third baseman. He was a really, really bad third baseman. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But all I'm saying is that Travis Shaw doesn't even seem like a good defensive third baseman, and he's he's a terrible offensive third baseman. Yeah, no, it's it's such an important position on a team. Like third base is where a lot of the the best offensive players in baseball live, and Travis Shaw ain't one of them. Yeah, you know what I'm really noticing about Vlad? We you know we've been kind of watching and and mentioning the 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 weight loss as we've been going along now, and. What I've actually noticed, it, it's different, I think, than what because Buck and, and Dan are talking about it a lot. Buck's talking about how it's in this in his lower half, his core or his his legs are getting into the swing. And actually, what I feel like I'm see, seeing, and it's it's jarring and it's scary, is the amount of torque that he's getting with his core, the amount that he's twisting and like turning on balls hard, and like the violence that he's twisting the, his spine with and i feel like there's so much power and because he, he was bigger and his stomach was bigger he he just couldn't turn with the same velocity the same force that explosion it reminds me a bit of like you know bryce harper's swing yeah. the way he like explodes like un unravels and uncorks it's like it's a bit more of like an upright version of that swing to me but just like that's where the power is that oh that violence yeah man when he was in the derby last year i remember oh. thinking did you just tear all of your abdominal muscles when you swung yes. that ball because he does have such a violent core and then that might be true actually that if you have more weight on that core that the whip like the whip of that core coming around to smoke the ball would be a little but you'd also think if you had more weight and you once you got that whip and that momentum like you'd be able to hit the ball maybe even a little bit further but it depends on the ratio of fat to muscle if he's getting yeah. more muscle in there now and he because he does really have a a violent swing but man Bryce Harper for me is like one of my favorite swings in baseball it is so violent and he just yes. absolutely unravels right into the ball yeah it just reminded me a bit of that and I think it's interesting to think that not much has changed other than perhaps that because like I don't think he needs to be this launch angle guy and they talked about Guillermo being like or, or Dante actually saying D you don't need to worry about the launch angle and I think he's right because I think it's basically the same things are happening he's hit he's still hitting the ground balls but now because he's hitting it so much harder 
it's hitting the ground just a little bit further away or it's too fast. It's ripping right through the infield. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if it goes on the ground because he's launching it 115 miles per hour there's gotta be, through the infield. There's got to be a little bit of like element of, of luck with that too. If you're going to hit 20 balls at over 100 miles an hour, even if you hit them on the ground, the, the chances of them going right at the shortstop can't be about as many times as they've gone right at the shortstop. So now they're, they're yeah. starting to find holes. They're starting to go down the line. And there's even times when he hits it so fucking hard that the shortstop's like, ah, yes. <laughs> have to get out of the way. And that one that he topped yesterday, that was weird too, man. Like he's putting a lot of action on the ball and he's hitting the ball hard and he doesn't strike out all that yeah. often. And no, he's he starting doesn't. to walk more now. Ah, he's We're seeing it. We're seeing it happen right in front of us. We're seeing it's it at the like, best time, right as we go into the trade deadline, right as we're starting to like kill teams and we're going to go into New York. I've got goosebumps right now. Yeah, Can you see I that? I have goosebumps right now because <laughs> it's, it's electrified. So fun to talk about a team that is exciting like this, and and yes. with players that have great potential, like Grishik and Hernandez. My God, are people? Are people, are kids buying Teoscar Hernandez jerseys right now? Are, are dads letting their kids, like, have, have dads or, or, or mom fans of the Blue Jays seen enough of Teoscar that they're letting their children buy jerseys of, of Hernandez right now? I would imagine that jerseys aren't being bought as much right now because the stadium's not open, but it would be interesting to see, like, you know what stadium, I mean, though. Yeah, totally. But to see the stadium get open and the rush of fans going in and what would be the jersey right now? Jacob Beeman, the doors to the Rogers Center just came open. I'm giving you a $400 gift card. You're getting a jersey. Give me the color. Give me the name on the back. You know I'm getting a Bo Bichette jersey. I have to. I've, I've, I've been wanting a Bo jersey for a while. I know that you want to get the Vladdy one. Um, what jersey are you getting, though? I might get it. I've, I've already got a classic blue. I'd, I think I'd get a nice uh, road gray Bichette. Yeah. Ooh. I'd get, I, Ooh. I'm getting road gray Vladdy. Oh, 27. <laughs> Guerrero. Oh, man. Uh, love getting jerseys. I was, I was talking to my brother yesterday. We were at my, at my mom's having a, an outdoor lunch in the country. And I was saying that I'm, I'm about ready to um, rent the bus here, rent the wagon. I'm going to be the driver. I'm going to be going around Toronto, rounding up the, the new bandwagon here because I can feel it. You know, we're about a week away, another uh, couple wins away from this city, starting to jump on the Blue Jays like it's 2015 all over again. We've got a whole new crop of young dudes, exciting players to get behind. It's going to be new. It's going to be different, but we're going to the playoffs. No. And it's just a matter of time before before the rest of the city starts catching on. Because Leafs are done, and whatever happens with the Raptors, that eye of Sauron is going to start to go right on the Blue Jays, and this whole city is going to get around them. And oh, it's going to be so exciting, man! I can't wait. Yes. We need this. The only, the only thing that's different that I'm worried about is that unlike 2015, the fans can't experience what it's like to go to a, yeah. a ball game and experience exciting baseball, because that I think is a huge thing that gets uh, gets a new bandwagon kind of going, and and especially with it with with a thing like baseball, when tickets are relatively cheap and you can go and you're with 50,000 people and you have like the time of your life in, in September. It's almost like the Rogers Center 
for the regular season sucks. Like it's one of the worst parks in all of baseball. But as soon as a playoff game happens and they shut that dome and the people file into that, it becomes like an experience that is so rare and unique. And it's everybody who's a fan or even if anybody just likes interesting experiences as a human being has got to get into the Rogers Center for a playoff game in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh my God. I'm so, I'm so excited right now. Oh my God. Uh, we're going to the playoffs, right? It's going to happen. It, 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 would, it would have to, there would have to be knock on a bunch of wood here and smash my hands against this. Ow, the crate. Um, injury probably is like the only way. A significant injury, even though we've managed the Bobachette. I think what are we ten and four without Bobachette, which is eleven and four. Eleven and four without Bobachette, which is incredible that the offense is picked up. And I, I would give a lot of props to to Vladdy picking it up, Grishik and Hernandez maintaining their consistency, which is still mind blowing to me. And I know, I know that in in a regular season right now, it would be what, the end of April? <laughs> it would be like it would be like No, it'd be July. No, 30, 30 games? No, no, I'm talking about 30-game sample size. Uh, so if you had a 30-game sample size in the regular season, we'd be like around the end of April. And if Randall Grishik and Teoscar Hernandez were mashing at the end of April, you'd be a little like, uh, let's wait a little bit longer on this. Because they've had good months before. Randall Grishik's had real good months before. Teoscar's had real good months before. But in this smaller season, who cares? Like, just keep it going. The thing that's different about Teoscar is that he was like this at the end of last season too. You know, that it's it's continued over. So like I'm giving a bit more credit to, to Teoscar and the, and the leaps that he's taking, knowing that even before the end of last season, he'd kind of put together stretches like this. But now like we can see consistency. Like they put up a graphic last night, the last 81 games or something, his OPS is, is super high and he's hit like, I don't know, 26 home runs in 81 games. So if you doubled that for 162 games it suddenly suddenly you've got Teoscar hitting 50 bombs in the season but yesterday there's an at bat i think it's in the eighth inning he hits a f- high fastball he just pokes it through the right side of the infield against the shift and i was like who is this young man doing that mm-hmm. i've never seen him even attempt to do something like that before so these changes and you know dante bichette maybe hitting whisper whisper and maybe we give all credit to him and maybe we actually when the roger center opens i'm getting a gray bichette but uh i want everyone to know it's actually dante d get a d (laughs) bichette jersey what does he he must have a number does he have a number a a coaching number i think so i don't think i saw him on i saw him on the bench again a couple of games ago i don't know he was just there i was like oh my god they've let him back on oh man he he, it's crazy I'm I'm curious to see what happens if anything like if if they just like anoint him head hitting coach like next season or something like it seems like it seems like he's the guy you know I, it probably just comes down to if he wants to do that and you don't know I mean maybe he doesn't he doesn't need the money yeah. but maybe he loves being around his son but maybe his son also wants to be uh, alone it's uh, who knows it's it is a, there's a lot of like you could see some complications in that but hey if he's yeah. if he's pulling this off and if he has even five uh, percent to do with some of these offensive changes that the blue jays have sign me up 
Or maybe him and Guillermo well, are a great team. Maybe they work well together. And that They talk about that. I know that Dante talks about feeling like a great team and that there isn't like kind of weirdness between them. But every time anyone, any Blue Jays hitter has asked about what, what's been going on, the work they've been doing, the approaches that they've been talking about, first thing they talk about is Dante Bichette. And, and you know, Dante Bichette is known for his two-strike two hitting, which is shines right through in bow. And uh, letting it's all about letting the ball travel further, reducing the leg kick, all of these things. And that's exactly what these guys are doing. It's exactly what Gritchick is doing. Every, every day they're talking about, let the ball travel further. Man. And, and Teoscar's basically taken on Bo Bichette's two-strike swing and just does it the whole time now. He just does a little toe tap instead of doing any sort of leg kick because he realized he's incredibly strong and can just do it with his hands and hit bombs. Okay, let's wrap up the show here. But David, I got I got something I got to run by you. I think you're going to be really into it. I'm really into it. I'm putting the trademark down here right now. I've come up with an idea that is going to change... It is going to change sports fans' lives. It's going to change lives specifically for you, specifically for me. How, how often are you at work and you're going to be watching the game when you get home and you don't want it ruined for you? I've come up with an idea, and it's an algorithm of artificial intelligence that is inside of a sports news app that is able to block out anything that could possibly spoil any part of the game for you. So right now, you can turn off the notifications in Sportsnet app. You can turn off the notifications and all of your thing about the score. But MLB app is still going to give you notifications of news. Same with Sportsnet. If Vlad hits a grand slam in the game, that's still coming up. That's still a spoiler I don't want to know about because I've recorded the game and I haven't been able to watch it yet, I want to experience the excitement of that live, not in your stupid notification. So, this in this app, when a game starts, it gives you a notification. It's just got a box on your screen. It says, are you watching the game live? Yes or no? If you select no, it will remove anything that could possibly ruin the game for you if you want it to. What do you think about that? Well, this is what I think about that. I think that that's a really good idea for that specific app, and it it gives it helps. It's an important element of trying to avoid the scores of games. But until you come up with some sort of in the moment, like dog collar zapper of real people in the world talking about the game, or like my friends texting me, tell me that you're watching this. Oh my God, did you see that Guriel slide? Vladdy. And so if you can somehow put the algorithm into my phone that doesn't allow certain words to even be texted to me, and if yep. I'm serving tables and a guy is about to say, oh, the Blue Jays go up, and then all of a sudden he gets zapped with this sort of dog collar and he can't finish the rest of his sentence. Because that's what's fucked me more times than... Because uh, I get no problem. Just I'll just shut the app off, app off and turn off the notifications. See, I don't want to have to go through all of that because because I don't want... I, I, I want all of the notifications if I'm watching the game or if if the... If the game's done and I did watch it, I want I don't want to have to go into all of the apps and turn turn the notifications back on, turn it off. I just want it to ask me if I'm watching the game live and it and so yeah, of course it I is a good idea. I'm surprised it doesn't people. exist. I think it's I think it would it, it just it actually requires like 
real artificial intelligence to be able to block something like that. And of course, I would like to take it a step further. Originally, my idea, and I was talking about it with my brother yesterday, was that is that it would be able to kind of like when you go on the internet at school or something, and it's like, this is inappropriate. You cannot go to this website. It would be able to block out Instagram. If I'm scrolling through Instagram, the Blue Jays post something, it blacks that out. Twitter, anything that is related to something, like it's that intelligent that it could block, just redact it. Put a black line through it, scroll right through, can't see it. Boom, spoiler free. That is really... You could use it... You could use it for TV shows too when Game of Thrones is happening. Have you seen the show yet? Boom. No, I haven't. Blocks out everything on your phone. Let's go. Trademark. The app is called Spoiler Alert. Uh, Boom. I also, but another problem is just myself. I'm just like, ah, let's just check. I'm curious. Uh, let's just see. And then, then when you play fantasy and you have a bunch of Blue Jays on your team, it's like, what am I just blacked not going to check? My blacked fantasy? out. Oh, that's interesting. Blacked out. You now can see you're your score. At the now top. you're selling me. Let's get this app going. Spoiler Ooh, yeah. alert. Spoiler alert. It's trademarked. You can't steal my idea. Anyone? It's almost listening. like I want it to control me in some way. Like I don't even want it to allow me to check the score. I want it to be like a like a drunk lock on my phone. It's like yep. It's like you're not allowed to text these ex girlfriends when you've drank this much. Even if you try to convince me otherwise, I will actually shut myself off. And if it could do that, now we're talking. Now we got a business. Well, it's going to develop. It's going to get better and better as the years go on. And we get richer and bring in better scientists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the game's starting soon. It's, it's, it's 11.30 and we got we to gotta get to it because the game's starting at 2 o'clock. We're going for the sweep. Uh, Mike Clevenger oh, has just fuck, been acquired just by the Padres. It. I just saw it. Fuck. No. <laughs> Padres are going to win the World Series. Oh we can call God. it now. They've gotten like. Mitch Moreland, fucking Mike Clevenger, fuck. They're all in, and I'm excited for it. Uh, they're, they're definitely the most exciting team right now, I think, in, in baseball, other than the Blue Jays. You know, Slam the most exciting Diego. League. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll give you all of the coverage tomorrow. Um, trade deadline, movers and shakers. Uh, we'll see what the Blue Jays did, but... Uh, that's that's all we got for today. So, welcome back to Underdogs. It's nice to be back talking about talking about the boys, talking about these playoff bound Blue Jays, and uh, we'll we'll see you tomorrow.